Well, I, I found that uh, you do have a few different types of slashes that just based on like mm-hmm. long press or short press and then double press and different things like that. But Kenny, in your first play, I listened. <laughs> and when you get to an enemy, this is what it sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to New Game Plus. You're listening to a retro gaming podcast where three guys spend seven days playing one old game and then we talk about it. My name's Dustin. My name's Kenny. My name's Nolan. That's the quietest introduction. Sorry. To episode the fastest introduction. My name's Nolan. The fastest introduction, and my name is Dustin, and that's Kenny, and that's Nolan, and this is episode 205. Nice, nice. (laughs) I'm just excited for Kenny, every one of these numbers, so he gets to say something. 205 is especially nice, because it's like symmetrical. We're on our way to 300. (laughs) What is symmetrical about it? Zero is not a number, and so two and five are? No, like visually symmetrical at least if you had it in like clock face type like it folds on itself and if you flip it upside down it's the same number that's crazy double mind blows it says but we are all familiar with the website internet archive especially Mm. as three guys who do a retro video game podcast i've referenced it multiple times i'm sure some of you have kenny you'll you'll remember what it is shortly but for those of you that don't know internet archive is a digital library archiving websites books software video games and in 2015 the organization began hosting 2400 dos games and this past week big news not only did Kanye drop a new album, but uh, Internet Archive <laughs> dropped another 2,500 DOS games into its database in their biggest update to date. Dang. That's crazy. Very that's huge more than news. double. That's more than double, and that's super helpful for people like us. Yeah, really who, good news for our community. Like, what was the thought behind that? Do they have to wait a certain amount of years or something before that's an option? Maybe, maybe they have to have certain permissions. Yeah. Maybe it's just not easy to do. I know go I'm like from experience playing DOS games on Internet Archive, I know it's not the easiest to emulate just through browser because you're still downloading portions of the game. And so sometimes you're waiting for a good amount of time to be able to make that information transfer happen. So yeah. I getting old dos disc games onto where you can play in your browser i'm sure is not the easiest but a whole of 2500 including uh, the lost vikings which is i believe blizzard's first title like ever uh, uh there's an early elder scrolls game that they've added uh, super munchers which is the uh, Re, like the update to the munchers like the f- math munchers i don't mm-hmm. know if you guys remember that game yeah. but i loved it uh along with t- tons of other uh dos games to play now dang so people need to get on adding those to the list if they want us to play them and they're not on there so if you're interested in trying out some of the titles you can simply open up your browser window and type in <laughs> archive.org 
hack and slash details, hack and slash software library. And uh, you'll be able to find the complete list of DOS titles there. Did someone say hack and slash? <laughs> oh, is that where you were going? Okay. Like in our retro was. game of the week, Enclave. Overview. <laughs> so you're just going to do the did someone say bit now? <laughs> Don't hear that. What was that? <laughs> if, you're, if you didn't catch it, Enclave is a hack and slash video game. Uh, released in early 2000s, uh, 2002 specifically, came out on Xbox as well as PC and was developed by Starbreeze Studios. And as a hack and slash game, it is kind of classical, not like high fantasy, more like medieval fantasy, I guess. Hey, and low fantasy. Low High fantasy? Yeah. High fantasy. High, High fantasy. fantasy. I would I would play that game. Uh, and you're given the option of playing either a like good guy or a bad guy version of the game. It's the official kind title of. right there. Uh, you can you can play like a light campaign or a dark campaign. And depending on which side you pick, you are helping to influence the outcome of a long, like thousands of years old war. Between the Dregatar and the people of Selenheim. Dregatar. Nolan nailed Selenheim. it. <laughs> As he always does. Yeah. It's very fantasy. And yeah. so you get like the enemies of Vratar and the stuff demon. like that. <laughs> they they do try really hard on the <laughs> on all the audio and things. I'm going to need uh, you to so put a little it, more oomph into it, Kenny. You get a what? You need a little more oomph behind your pronunciation. Dregatar. Thank you. That, what? That was better than mine. Yeah. Uh, All right. I thought it was on. uncomfortable. Wow. That's because that's because Dustin played the light campaign. He can't handle that level of vocal. As did we all. You're not even allowed to play the dark campaign until you unlock it in the light campaign. I'm just saying you're a light campaign person. I'm not trying to be judgmental about He's it. He's saying that Which, if you re- had the choice of dark, you would have chosen light. Re- well, and and that's typically true. And so this week I specifically said, you know what? I want to do it different. Uh, and <laughs> moved my cursor over, clicked, clicked, Locked. clicked, and couldn't play yeah. the dark campaign. But I was about to go into the dark campaign immediately it's like there's a giant rift between the light campaign and the dark campaign yeah i already did hack and slash.com (laughs) i'm pulling us back on topic so in this in this fantasy world uh crazy wizard said hey i've got all kinds of power instead of defeating these evil enemies let's just put a giant rift between their land and our land and in a thousand years, that rift will start closing to make for a really creative plotline for a video game. And that's Enclave. I actually really liked how much they went into the story in this game. It, it starts off like almost like you're reading or watching a fantasy story. And most games, I feel like, have some sort of base plot like that. But this one just went like, boom, we have a pretty rich story for you. 
Yeah, and and they build it out not just at the beginning and at the end, but kind of in between each mission. And every mission that you're doing is a part of the overarching story. So Kenny did a first play this week. You cut <laughs> you cut out watching the intro, but you watched the whole thing, which is typically rare for you, at least in first plays, because you like to get as quickly to the action as possible. But you even commented, I think, after watching that, wow, that was really well done. That was really impressive. Yeah. whatever it might have been yeah it was it was a little too long but it was well done and set up the story well and i was super impressed at that point and you I'd, so you go you go out of this intro uh straight into what almost felt overdone in video games but maybe in 2002 it wasn't and maybe this was actually the the game that did it first but you're it Pro tip, it wasn't. But you're a character in prison who's starting with nothing. Like either you're either in prison or you're an orphan. Like that's how every <laughs> single game ever starts. If it's going to be an adventure or you're a link. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> and you get broken out of prison like by this giant piece of siege equipment that accidentally knocks down a wall. And it's actually a really, really funny moment. And then from there, this this prisoner who was in trouble starts fighting to save his life and eventually is caught up in an adventure to save the world. Do either of you have experience with this game or or were we all noobs coming into it this I week? I was a complete <laughs> noob. So I was not an Xbox boy. And in 2002, I wasn't too much of a PC boy either. So this game is very new to me. I, I definitely thought you were going to ask us if either of us has experience with saving the world. And I was going to be like, oh, yeah, totally. Um, But not with Enclave, no. And neither do I. I, The first time I've even heard of it was this week. Do we know what Starbreeze Studios did other than Enclave? I didn't look it up because I'm a professional, but uh, maybe y'all did. Uh, I've never heard of them. Starbreeze Studios? You don't know that they did... (laughs) Chronicles of Riddick, (laughs) Escape from Butcher Bay, Payday 2, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which you've heard of. Oh, yeah, Payday. Why do I know that? Someone in Discord, I think. Someone in Discord mentioned it this week. Payday 2, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. So so they're around still. Yeah, yeah. So they've they've done some stuff and some interesting stuff. Yeah, that's a... a uh, big variety like all those games are very very different <laughs> let's see if one of the interesting things that they did was create and release a game called Enclave okay gameplay all right so we at least for the most part played the lights campaign this week because yes. again you have you have to start that way even if you tried to choose by the way no one did you try to or either of you did you try to choose the dark campaign at first actually didn't i had had read before that you cannot and you have to unlock uh, it but i was probably going light anyways just because i my usual order is i do the light or the good campaign like yeah. in e- any game gta or anything and then i do the evil one and have more fun <laughs> sure yeah i'm exactly the same way Okay, and, and I am as well, so we're all boring. But uh, <laughs> we, we did the light campaign in this one. We are a warrior of light, and you you kind of game is set up in that you've 
got different missions and you've only got one mission to begin with. And then it moves to the second mission after that third mission, uh, surprise, surprise. But, uh, in between missions, you choose the character of light or darkness. If you're doing that campaign, uh, that you're going to play for that stage or for that mission. And then in the mission, you complete a series of tasks, uh, or, and you survive you by defeating the enemies that are coming against you and you get to the end of the level. That's what it is over yes. and over. But you've got different objectives on different stages. Some of the stages are escort missions. Some of them mm-hmm. are item collections or you're slaying a certain amount of enemies or you're just getting to a certain point. Uh, but, but they're all different. So it, it tries to provide some variety to each and every level. And I got to say about that, I love the level system here because... I am very used to fantasy games, all of them being either open world or like very, very RPG where there's a lot of like downtime and maybe some grinding, but it was actually really refreshing to have a game this recent that took a level-based approach rather than an open world approach. And I miss that. And this game made me realize that I actually really liked the missions. Even the escort one didn't bother me too much. Like, yeah, I, I really like the level system that they took on this game. It works okay for me. I feel like it doesn't allow for quite as much sort of flow and story. And yeah, there's the tie-ins in between. But it, I felt like it kind of just allowed them to sort of put you wherever they wanted. And, you know, there was no sort of tie-in there. That said, I think it's important pointing out, Dustin talked about how you can play these like multiple characters. This this specifically isn't an RPG. It's like a hack and slash adventure. And so as you go through the game, you're, you're finding and unlocking other characters to play who you can then choose to play as. And they're all very different characters with very different classes and weapons and items. And it allows you to play the game theoretically in a number of different styles depending on kind of how you want to approach it so do you know the light side characters yes nope i heard that deep breath you're just gonna go for it (laughs) no i was making sure i wasn't gonna like conflate light and dark characters or leave somebody out but i've got it let's see you've got a knight yeah you've got a huntress Uh uh-huh uh you've got a druid (laughs) who's ridiculous looking uh you have a, a halfling you have a wizard, and you have an engineer. Boom goes the dynamite. That's good. Great That's job. Good. <laughs> was, that a, was that an engineer joke? I thought that was pretty fun. Yes, <laughs> although I didn't know it. Uh, no, that's that's uh, really good. You named all of them. Those are the light side characters that you can choose from. And like Kenny said, it completely different ways that you utilize them. Maybe not completely. Some of them are comparable. But uh, for the knight, very stereotypical. You've sword got a board. sword. Yeah, sword yep. and board. Huntress is bow and arrow. Uh, you might have a little dagger with you to protect up close, but it's just bow and arrow. Uh, for your druid, he's uh, <laughs> uh, super powerful. Has different staffs in his hands that does different magical. It, it can AOE effects or shooting out like these mystical birds or energy at the enemies. Halfling, uh, just very what nimble, swift. Has daggers. Is I, that what I it is? think thief. When I think yeah, halfling, thief. yeah, kind of the yeah. the balance fighter but small and fast speedier yeah and then for wizard wizard and engineer very comparable to what you get in uh games with wizards and engineers you've got uh you've got your magic magic. abilities and your machine work whatever it is 
uh, out of those, which one did you find yourself using most? I use the knight the most, actually. I so hack you like and slash, to get up close and personal. Yeah, hack and slash is usually kind of boring to me if it's done. If it's done right, it's not. But I don't know. I found the gameplay for some of the other characters a little clunky. Like the magic users weren't my favorite, just feel wise. And I was using a controller this week, by the way. I was playing the Xbox version. And I'm assuming that would be a different case if I was using mouse and keyboard for, say, the archer, the huntress. But yeah, I played the knight the most. Uh, probably also played the knight the most just out of like practicality and ease. But if there is a halfling, I'm going to play the snot out yep, of it. I knew and you I, would. I did find in general that like once you got to the option of doing some of the casters, that it was sort of a refreshing... I don't Break. know, change of pace. Like yeah. the the night, especially combat, feels a little like you just are like clicking <laughs> the whole time. It's a it's a little static. Like there's a shield you can jump in and out of combat, but it's not like you're doing different moves. Really, you're kind of just attacking or defending. You, you do have a crossbow that you can switch to that really sucks. <laughs> but if you want to change of pace, you can always swap swap over. Well, I, I found that uh, you do have a few different types of slashes that just based on like mm-hmm. long press or short press and then double press and different things like that. But Kenny, in your first play, I listened. <laughs> and when you get to an enemy, this is what it sounded like. <laughs> just the spamming you think spamming that? click just but even faster it's like <laughs> this guy just wants to and it was funny because after the enemy that he was fighting fell he continues to slash like just, six more times you gotta make yeah, sure, you gotta make sure if, yeah. if he left the ghost behind you gotta kill yeah. that too i uh i I played the halfling the most probably after the really? halfling nice. released to me. It's just, an, I found it to be an improved version of the knight who okay. does more damage, has stronger health. And so I was just able to, I, I don't know, uh, that halfling helped me get through the end of the game. But um, I I probably played an equal amount with the huntress, which is weird mm. because I'm typically not a, like a first person shooter. But in this game, I found it super interesting that at, at any time for any of your characters, you can switch into th- in, from third-person perspective into first-person. And so I you would play the can't. majority of my characters <laughs> in third-person unless I needed to aim better. And so when I was the Huntress with the bow, oh. I switched to first-person and was able to aim tremendously better. And and it, it made the Huntress a lot more of a viable option I for I actually me. did not know that. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. It's super helpful. Yeah, the Huntress is typically in most games the harder cl- one of the harder classes because in order to be effective, you've got to be hitting your shots, but they do a ton of damage. So that w- definitely would have been helpful. There's really no need to do first person on like a melee character, I wouldn't think. Um, the third person perspective is not my favorite. I'll just say that. I think like if i compare it to some of the other fantasy games that i've played or grew up playing like oblivion let's say that game is built around more of a first person experience but this one i i fell right into the third person view i kind of enjoyed it something else that they did that i really enjoyed so level based right they also have collectibles and it's not crazy it's not like you are on this mission you have to collect a certain amount in order to progress per se like i don't know banjo kazooie 
but you're finding gold and the level design is actually pretty good because they hide they hide these these bags of gold and it encourages exploration and oh, you can time. do some backtracking and there, the the level also interacts like there was one level I don't know, four maybe where you're in a castle and it's like collapsing. It's under siege or something and walls keep falling. But then like, I don't know, a pillar falls over and you can cross a gap. I thought that was a really nice like experience, level design experience going through these levels. And so the way that they place those items throughout potions as well, I like the way they encouraged exploration here. Well, and that gold that you're finding, it, there's not tons of collectibles. You had mentioned collectibles. It's it not really, too much. Yeah. You've got gold and, and crystals and diamonds, but they all do the same thing. They're all money. That's yeah. the only thing. I, I guess you can collect you, some, find some new weapons every yeah, once in a while. And then, yes. Like health potions, potions but that doesn't feel like collectibles to me. Just no, no, sort no. Of no. It's not like there's puzzle pieces or like right. there's no, no. some of these other things that collectathons some, Sometimes do. you got to grab a key to open a door. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what you're mainly collecting is money. And so at the top right of your screen, you've got uh, you know, zero out of 100 or zero out of 200 or whatever, however many gold pieces you're going to, you want to try to find. And then you're exploring the stage to try to do the task at hand, but also to collect enough gold. You, you want to be able to maximize your gold on each level because in between stages, you use that gold at a store to outfit your character before entering the next stage. And it, I think I was understanding it correctly after a while, but it's it's different from other games. You're not actually spending your gold, are you? You're just kind mm. of assigning it? Like yeah, you, you, it's okay. kind of weird, actually. Yeah. Like you still have it. It's uh, at the end. You just you have a certain amount of gold, and you can apply it to certain armor or weapons or potions. And then, like auto purchases or something. Auto equips. It's it's yeah. it's kind of like less like gold and more like I don't know points that you that you get that yeah. you can expend or, or place uh, for certain item upgrades or weapon upgrades, armor, whatever the case might be. That gets me thinking like what a speed run is like of this game. Like I'm sure they they do not get all the gold. And so oh, they, no. it's probably really hard. You just you're gonna don't get have upgrades. You're gonna get the gold right in your path, and then you're going to yeah. only get the exact amount you need to be able to upgrade so you can protect yourself. I have to look enough. that up. But I, I thought that that was a really interesting mechanic because then you could, in between stages, you could get a better bow or you mm-hmm. could get a better staff or, or more armor and uh, new items would unlock as you progressed. And then you're not like, you're never making a terrible decision by using your gold because sure. you're not losing your gold. Yes. Yeah, I, I definitely liked that option as well. And it was nice that that was a universal stat like you're not buying items like for a specific character some characters share items that their classes let them share so if you've like found or or you know purchased an item you can equip it on any of the classes um but but that gold resource is for all of your characters so it's nice one other thing that was super cool was the bonus stages. I don't know if you guys took part in them at all, but after the third or fourth stage, a bonus stage unlocks, and then after a few more stages, another bonus stage unlocks, and it's it's a totally different mode. Not completely different, but instead of going through a stage on a mission, you're just placed in a uh, battlefield oh. or a what? Uh, just a, in a in a location yeah. that is 
where you have to fight hordes of enemies and just survive. Yeah, and it's like waves of enemies, kind of. Yeah, like waves of enemies. Wave based play. Exactly. Yeah. And you can play it on easy, medium, or hard mode, and you get additional gold from beating those different modes of that stage. So it just that's a way to change up the gameplay a little bit. It yes. doesn't add anything new necessarily, but it is a cool way to get new gold, and it's a survival mode. It's it's just tacking on a little bit of extra fun there. Well, here's my beef with that. I I appreciate the variety in gameplay style, like throwing me into a mini game. Or it's essentially it's not a mini game. It's a bonus stage. But when you're kind of invested in the previous stage and you take the break, I was finding myself like, okay, let me reorient. Like, where are we in the story? What what was I doing? And I liked the first one. I don't actually know if I got a second one, but the first one was enough for me. I I don't know. I, I guess the variety is worth including it, but I didn't need it. I, I'm going to just say bonus stuff in general is always nice. Like... It, it certainly doesn't hurt, give you a little bit extra gold, give you some variety in gameplay, especially in a game that that suffers from that a little bit, um, where things are kind of repetitious. And so I think it was a good inclusion. One of the last things is that it does offer some replayability because, as we've already discussed, there's two different campaigns. You've got the Warrior of Light or the Minion of Darkness. And if you do the dark side, uh, it's something that I really appreciate and that it follows the same story, but from the other side. So uh, for example, on the light side, you escort a merchant named Marcus and your job is to keep him alive, to defeat the enemies, to get him to the end of the stage. As in the dark side, you're playing the same level, <laughs> but you're sent out to <laughs> assassinate Marcus. <laughs> That's uh, cool. Be- because he's bringing supplies into the enclave. And so you have to get to the end of the stage. And in the same place where you take Marcus in the light side, that's where Marcus is found in the dark side. And you you have to fight him and take him out. So I okay. love that from a story perspective that you get to play along the story, but from a completely different side. So yeah, that's super cool. It's smart of them to to lock the dark mode because they want you to go back and be like, oh, yeah, I remember the stage. And yeah. you're just from the other side. All right, yeah. I'll buy it. I'll buy and it. so in, in the light story, right, like you're becoming victorious over the evil forces, but <laughs> yeah. then you get to come back on the other side and completely reverse fate. And I like it. That's super cool. Yeah. Aged. So this is a newer game. It's one of the newer ones. I think Ratchet and Clank was like the newest around the same played? time yeah it was it was early 2000s i want to say this one might be newer which we could technically play something from what how does math work uh, 2004 14 uh, four. <laughs> that's what i meant i meant I know, four. i, know, I, I know. saw I 2019 you. i just conflated it just, but 2004 like that doesn't s- sound old to us and so it's always strange for me going into these newer games like having rendered you know, cutscenes and the the 3D graphics look pretty good. So I, it, it was hard for me to get into the retro mode this week. I don't know about you guys, but it felt, it still feels very new. I, I think part of that is just because of how good this game look, looked for when it came out as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think if we were to put ourselves in a 2002 mode and like look at this game against other games that came out i think you would be really impressed with the visuals especially i think you're right uh, 
yeah, and so it definitely feels like a you know like a less retro game, and and there were times that comparing I found myself comparing it to like modern games because of that feeling, but that's totally unfair, and I think what they did do with this game graphically is is worth pointing out because it it looks really good, especially like on the Xbox for the Xbox, um, yeah, impressive looking game. We've we've talked about it in. A, a few other episodes, maybe just Ratchet and Clank, though. But for me, everything changes. Like the retro feel completely changes to a non-retro feel when we have complete control of the camera, which which mm. we do in this game. Yes. But very few games that we played do you have complete control of the camera. But when you're playing a 3D action game, adventure game, uh, RPG, and you can with one. Uh, toggle stick dang it that's not what it's called <laughs> joystick analog stick analog stick. uh move your character and with the other control a camera it it changes things tremendously yeah and, and when the camera is actually fluid or at least somewhat fluid, pretty fluid then it's like yeah. okay <laughs> and, and you you get that here did yes. you also play with con- a controller then dustin yeah because I, I played with I controller some I, I did I did controller some and then I did mouse and keyboard. I wanted to try both of them, but even with mouse and keyboard, that's like complete control. And I guess you're getting that you've had that for a while on PC games, but on console, console games, yeah. you know you don't have that for NES, Super Nintendo. Right. Some you do have on N64, right? Like you can manipulate some, but yeah, you're still working with that. Uh, but but here you have that that fluid movement. You also talked about graphics. I think they're okay. Uh, some areas could use more detail. A lot of the stages are just really really dark, and I think they do yeah. that one for aesthetics, but two to hide a lot of the ugliness. I buy that. I I thought that the volcano stage looked really great. It was one of the yeah. better ones. It just looked very impressive, but it well, was I, it was dark too. And I yeah. I think you're right that toning down the light hides some of the flaws and jagged angles a little bit but i i do think the lighting and the shading does helps with the aesthetics tremendously it just makes it really ominous and for for a 2002 game they did really good with the lighting and And shading it was a big deal like for xbox right like playstation people trusted playstation for with graphics so i mean just look at their catalog they they had been doing this but xbox was like the newer of the three like i remember a time before microsoft had xbox and it was just nintendo and and sony and i think having this game in the catalog was probably a huge deal and makes me surprised that i don't know about it and didn't hear about it but like i could see this selling some consoles Dustin, you mentioned uh, like tone with the lighting. I think even better than the lighting, which they did great. One of the best ways they set atmosphere in this game was with the sound. Uh, not a, I, I found that I liked it in general, but I also just found the like ambient stuff to be really good. Like if there's siege engines going on in the the world that you're in, like you hear those in the background, and it just had a lot of. I don't know. I thought they did a pretty good job uh, with the the sound side of things. What do you guys think? I I agree with sound, but I don't know if the music was anything to write home. It's kind of generic, right? It very generic, fantasy, basic. wasn't the wasn't the most creative there. It worked, 
like it wasn't distracting and it wasn't ever bad, but it wasn't anything that I'm like, man, this is. This You'd is never really put on good. the OST just to like entertain right. yourself. Definitely yeah, the not. Enclave OST. Definitely were not. Like, but I do. I do agree with the with the uh, voiceovers uh, over the top, but again, you get that's what you want for these kind of fantasy games. Yeah. Uh, and then for yeah, de- definitely the stage sounds, weapon sounds, all of those things, really good. And then it's super easy to play today as a game. Uh, you can get it on Steam or GOG oh, yeah. for. Uh, very $2. very <laughs> inexpensive right uh it, it's it's probably a little bit more difficult to find on xbox but i think you, it's it's probably doable but it I, it's it's not on any of the xbox stores or anything like that i don't well, think like the so, online ones that yeah i, yeah. I don't think it is so huh. if you want to play it you can easily play it but you're probably going to be playing it for pc on steam or gog right or or finding a disc though i don't think they're super common this game was out enough that it's not like you're gonna have a hard time ultimately getting one yeah so uh gog.com uh, hack and slash uh, enclave <laughs> no. that is not a real url i'm doing it for the slashes you know how you do like http colon yeah. slash slash i'm just adding back hacking. hack and slash uh actually it's not though forward hack and slash yeah Final thoughts. At the end of each and every one of our episodes, we determine whether or not this game gets our vote for New Game Plus status, which is our general thumbs up or thumbs down. Requires two-thirds of the vote to swing one way or the other. Let's see here. Kenny? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I do feel like this game looked good for when it came out. I liked that they tried to include some story the variety of characters was welcome and getting some weapon upgrades was great. But overall, this game just felt a little generic to me. I don't know. The the ranged classes, the casters play kind of similar. Your weapon upgrades and even like better weapons and attacks don't ever feel like they spectacularly change gameplay, just sort of improve what you're doing. The combat feels a little bit repetitive and you're doing a lot of it. And I think there's a lot of people that will enjoy this game and I would have no problem with that whatsoever because I think it's a a pretty good game. But it just feels like one of those games that sort of exists and is okay and that doesn't stand out or at least in any ways that like grabbed me personally. And so... I don't have a ton of like really negative things to say about it, but overall didn't click. I I think there's better hack and slash games that are going to feel more immersive, but I did laugh really hard at the opening prison scene. So it's got that going for it. No new game plus for me. You had mentioned it at the beginning and you mentioned here at the end in the opening prison scene, some of one of the villains is talking to you from the cell opposite of you and she's mocking you for being <laughs> stuck in prison and saying that, you know, she, if you get out, she's going to come and kill you or, or if she gets out, whatever. Uh, and it's in the middle of her speech, uh, like a huge <laughs> bolt comes through the side of her uh, building and Classic. kills her. Like, and it, it, it is the just, thing that breaks you out. It's just yeah, really it funny and unexpected and fun. All right, so that's one no. 
I will go and say that Enclave is fun. I had fun this week. It is basic. I agree. It is somewhat vanilla, yes, but I thought it was fun, and I thought it was a well-done game. I really, really enjoyed using different classes that I get to choose, and so if if I'm not being successful on one level with one class, I can always start it over with a different class and and succeed or do something completely different. I liked having to explore the stages and find the golds and that being really the only main collective uh, collectible that I'm, that I'm looking for. I enjoyed being able to switch between first person and third person. I enjoyed that it was so story heavy. Uh, and then I enjoyed that you have both the light side and the dark side. We didn't even mention, but you've got a whole different class of characters to choose from on the dark side that uh, they are, they relate to the light side characters So instead of a a knight, you have an assassin. Instead of a huntress, you have a berserker. And they function somewhat the same. But I just like being able to parallel the light side and the dark side story, being able to play both. I thought there was a lot of charm here. I understand why it's somewhat of a forgettable game, but I enjoyed it enough to say that other people should play it, which means I do give it my vote for New Game Plus status. Which means that Nolan has the opportunity to either make this game new game plus certified or not. Yeah. Okay. So I think this game does story really well and I wasn't expecting that in this game, early Xbox, some sleeper game that no one's heard of. At least I haven't heard of it and uh, high fantasy, but they delivered on story. So it caught my attention early and I was I was invested pretty early just based on how deep they went into the lore. So that reeled me in. I was then introduced to levels versus uh, open world exploration, which I'm very sick of. So that was a plus. Started having fun there. I like the variety in the level design. I, I think that was another really big high for me is like, they did a really good job of interacting with the world and having like scripted events that were yes, scripted, but felt organic when you came across them. And then it improved exploration in some way. Overall, I I was, I was pretty surprised this week, pleasantly surprised enough to give it new game. Plus, I don't know why I've never heard of it, but I think you'd enjoy it if you played it, if you found a copy and because it's so easy to play. Yeah. I, I give this game new game plus. Interesting. So Enclave is New Game Plus certified. I do understand what Kenny's saying with it feeling generic. Oh, I, yeah. I totally understand that. Super generic. But <laughs> I'm I'm still on board even despite those things. Agreed. Well, that's two out of three. So find a copy of Enclave and play it this week. What did you think about the game? A few of you wrote in to let us know your thoughts. Rykon said uh, that he submitted this game and it looked interesting and intriguing and fun when it originally came out for the Xbox. I was excited to give it a try this week. I got a general sense of the game and that sense was it's a passably fun action RPG with many edges and the majority of those edges are rough. The one main (laughs) takeaway I had was how much the game plays like an old school D&D session. Level design that feels like it could easily be mapped on graph paper, traps to watch out for and avoid, puzzles, staggered enemy encounters, spending gold to outfit your character, things like drinking a potion or swapping a weapon take time, i.e. a full action, etc. But not everyone digs D&D, and less dig 
polygonal hack and slashers with floaty hitboxes and strangely undersized enemies. So can't say NG plus for me, uh, though Enclave impressed me in places. Dang, some a submitter that didn't give NGP. Yeah, here's the thing. If you if you think that the it sounds like old school D and D is appealing to you, boy, have we got some news. We're wanting to play D and D together as one of our <laughs> Patreon no stretch goals. <laughs> I didn't either. So, so support us on Patreon.com. Hack and slash NGP no. podcast. <laughs> that, do not put that in your browsers. <laughs> it's a new thing. It's a new thing. Uh, Slamscape wrote in for the first time and said, I found the NGP podcast about a month ago on Spotify. I've been catching up from the beginning and enjoying the discussion. This is the first game of the week that I've had the opportunity to play. I'll start off by saying that I had never heard of this game, so I was going into it with fresh eyes. I made it to level 7 or 8 of the light campaign. Overall, the game seems forgettable. (laughs) The story seems pretty generic. The characters you play are also generic. There were some interesting ideas here. I did enjoy that there were a number of classes to play and a decent number of weapons or spells to pick from. Although there were no stats listed in-game for either, so there was a lot of trial and error figuring out which weapons would be good for any given situation. My biggest problem with this game was the controls and combat, and that is what ultimately turned me off from having fun. Overall, I can just best describe the game as clunky. I think I'm okay with the the generic everything because it's one yeah. of those games you just sit back and you just start like playing. It's a hack and slash. You don't have to think too much. Right. And honestly, it kind of feels like a mobile game, like a modern day mobile game, <laughs> some fantasy hack and slash. So maybe they were ahead it, of their time. <laughs> if you can if you can do a generic game but do it well, sure. then I think that could potentially be worth playing. I don't think that every game has to be yeah. remarkably unique. You Especially know? in after, this era. After well, and even later, Skyrim came out and then everybody made their own version of Skyrim. Oh, you know, yeah. like sure. <laughs> I and some of them are worth playing. I don't know. I, I do completely understand what Kenny and everyone else so far are saying about being basic. Yeah. I agree, but I don't know. Still found charm there. Bro Jim wrote in and said, I managed to finish the light campaign. Let me begin by saying that Enclave is not a bad game. Great environments and interesting visuals, passable music that fits the genre, and interesting secrets that encourage and reward exploration. But this is where I struggle. The whole game just felt like it was missing the finishing touches. The mission-based system is interesting for a fantasy game, but the jarring transitions were not tied together well in the story. So it was not completely clear how I went from an empty city to middle of Dodongo Cavern. Hey. What? <laughs> uh, what game are you playing, bro? <laughs> uh, combat, combat felt completely random, and I never felt like I had any control past spamming attacks and dodging. Enemy AI seemed to have two modes, run at you or shoot at you. The character item system was a neat idea, and I liked the incentive to find secrets and gold. However, neither items nor characters had stats to decide on or explanations, explanations of how they were better or worse. Um... Maybe if they'd spent less time 3D mapping butts and more time on better aspects, I'd feel differently about this game. <laughs> but instead, just go play Fable. No new game plus for me. Guys, just guys we just play Fable. I feel like we just had the best accidental pun there because I was going to stop you and point it out, but I'm glad I didn't. Nolan, did did you did you yes. just did you almost <laughs> say? I smell a butt. I did say that. 
That's what wakes really? you up here. So yeah, it was I just really funny to me. Like you kind of missed it in talking, but like he was, you know, saying like good things, but this, and it yeah. was just a really funny soundbite from Nolan. And then for him to land on referencing, uh, butts just was yeah. full circle. I'm glad that's the thing that stood out to you. <laughs> full, full circle on the butts. Welcome yeah. to the podcast, Kenny. Brojim is the second person in commentary to mention that none of the items, weapons, armor had any stats. And I didn't even recognize that while I was playing. I probably should have because it was trial and error. Well, my my thing was just like if it cost more gold, it was probably going to be better. That's that's the decision that I made early on. Well, also, it shows you damage values when you slash and hit enemies but what's that's what's that based on like it's kind of hard to plan that out when you don't have the stats there stats would have been nice yeah. i i think that would have probably uh leveled it up <laughs> just a little bit more but <laughs> sure. when when you're being able to switch items and armor in between every single stage you can do some trial and error there's no penalty for doing trial and error and again if it costs more gold it's probably going to be better and finally, Garlisle wrote in and said, Brojim nailed a lot of it. The nice progression, the extremely poor combat, it being passable as a game. So I'll focus elsewhere. What got me the most this week was the setting. As you'd expect of a Western game toting, playing the dark side as a selling point, it's the most stereotyped chainmail bikinis versus <laughs> orcish armies setting that you can envision, with no personality and rarely even an interesting monster. The type of world that mistakes edgy, grim, and with well Ra- rendered assets as being equivalent to interesting, creative, and memorable. It's everything I hate about groggy Western fantasy all in one place. I never heard even mention of this game before this week, and I understand why. Ooh, ripped to shreds. Coming in hard on Look, that one, Garlisle. I can't, I can't, I can't argue, and I understand, but I still, I don't know, still had fun. I'm from the West. <laughs> Kenny, you didn't feel that aggressive towards it, did you? No, not at all. And I, I had a little bit of fun, but I could totally get not liking it. If if that vibe throws you off, like that's 100% what this game is. Like it, you can just look at the druid character model, like a picture of it, and 100% understand the genre of this game and what it's trying to be. Bikini chain. And, yeah, and who it's trying to appeal to. And like, it's, it, I don't know. Well, thank you guys for writing in this week. You can always send in your thoughts and commentary on the retro game of the week to NGP at gmail.com. We'd love to include your thoughts as a part of our episode next week, but for now we're going to put enclave to the side and we're going to not randomly select our next game. Oh, huh? a few weeks ago, um. we told you that one of our patrons, one of our listeners, upped his pledge to God mode and became a director of NGP, which is just this level that we put there at the start of our Patreon, just thinking, you know, if there's ever some sugared mommy or daddy that wanted to take care of us than they could. Uh, we've had one person do it really just a couple months ago and limit break was able to come on the show and talk about resident evil. Resident Evil? Resident Evil 2? Resident, Resident Evil. Evil? Yeah, just Resident Evil. Uh, this time, Garlisle has upped his pledge and has become one of our directors. And so we, next week, are going to be sitting down with him to play a game. And that game is... 
a game that neither of you two know that it's the game we're playing yet. Well, yes, that's true. Well, but I do. I yeah. mean, not just not just because we didn't randomize it. Like I've been in talks with him, so you two get to find out for the first yeah. time right now. Right? Yeah. No, we we still get the excitement of like yes. learning what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Uh, it came out for the Super Famicom in 1994. Yes, only please. released in Japan. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, you want a little bit more? Yes, please. Yes, please. It was developed and published by Square. Oh, please. You want one more? Yes, please. Yeah, one more. It is a role-playing video game. Oh, another. Here's, I knew that. Here's the problem. I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> it has been unofficially translated into English and Chinese, so you can play the Chinese version. Perfect. Okay, great. Its story begins with a series of seven seemingly unrelated chapters that can be played in any order, and it's based on mm. different genres like Western, sci-fi, mecha. Oh, interesting. But it all ends up connecting in a game that is called... Live a live. What? Okay. Never in my life. Because uh, sometimes you hear about Japanese-only releases, especially on the SNES. Never heard of this. I think I've only heard of it because we're friends with Garlisle. Oh, uh, yeah. Garlisle knows a lot about uh, Japanese releases. But it it might tell you something that it was released for the virtual console Nintendo Wii U in 2015 for the new Nintendo 3DS in oh. 2016. So like people are bringing it back. It will be something that we can relatively easily play. So everyone find a copy of live, live a, a live this week, <laughs> live a little and uh, play it along with us. Nice. Also join us in discord. We have a thriving community that we would love for you to be a part of NGP podcast forward hack and slash dot com and click join us in discord we'll see you there oh we've already given him a shout out but double thanks to garlisle for his above and beyond support and to all of our other producer level supporters as well uh antonin ben bill dear baby Corey, maxima zach and zion uh, you guys are great the rest of you that support us on patreon uh, at whatever level you're comfortable with, we so appreciate you being a part of this community and helping us to continue to make an entertaining show. So thanks, guys. If you're not yet following us on all of our socials, make sure you do that. Uh, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch at NGP Podcast. YouTube at New Game Plus Podcast. You can look out for our first play of Live a Live this week. Listen to us directly on any podcast provider of your choice and make sure you subscribe so that you are the first to get new NGP episodes. While you're at it, leave a kind rating and review. This episode was edited and produced by our good friend Tom Tate. Join us next week as we play Live a Little. That's not what it's called. Live a Live. Until then, I'm still Dustin. I'm Kenny. Nolan. And this has been a generic, basic episode, but good, of New Game Plus.